What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I am Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host alongside me, per usual, the Ducktator himself, Mr. Graybeard. And if somebody could please do me a favor and actually sketch up a drawing. Actually, this might be perfect for Beth, your wife. Yeah, as, just ask her. <laughs> as Elliot, as the Ducktator. And I don't know if that means he's like, Got like a Hitler stash, or if he's like a potato. Oh my gosh! <laughs> or both. <laughs> so, Elliot the Ductator. Um, but yeah, thanks everybody for joining us for another podcast tonight's podcast episode is going to be all about uh, boat blinds, and uh, we're going to have awesome guest on tonight, Phil, and we've had him on multiple times, Phil Conkey. Um, well, I guess it's just the second time. Um, so yeah. He's a, a man of many different hats, I guess you would say. Um, so stay tuned. It's going to be a good one. But before we jump into the podcast, wow. we want to give a big thanks to our partners. So let's go ahead and jump onto that. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks over to Boss Shot Shells. Um, Elliot and, and I have both been running them all season long and having some smashing success. So um here recently and I've been I've been saying this a lot lately because we get the late season goose big fat pads um but I've I've been seeing it doing work on the old Canadian geese and I've been running two and three quarter inch fours and a lot of people you know really shaking their head two and three quarter really I thought you needed three and a half inch bbs to kill geese well let me tell you you don't boss shot shell higher density higher density pattern higher density bbs um or pellets not bb in size but uh um, you know, it's just, when you do look at the science behind it and all that, it's just, I mean, they're crushing birds for a reason. So American made company, high quality. I've actually been out there a couple times, um, and seen their whole operation and they do an outstanding job. So make sure to uh, definitely check those guys out. I'm going to talk to you about HTR innovations and I am becoming more and more bought and sold on some of their products. Um, I just used again, the A-frame out in the marsh this week. I'll tell you guys, if you have not purchased an A-frame, it opens your hunting world from teal season when we're sitting out on mud flats to late season mallards where we're putting the HTR A-frame in a sled, ratcheting it down, paddling in our kayaks out and putting it in a up against a knee-deep uh, tree line in the marsh. It is a fantastic product and you've got to get yourself. They've got other products as well, but the A-frame is so useful to your waterfowl hunting. The product code over there is Duck Space Gun. You'll get 10% off and free shipping. So go on over to HTR Innovations and check out that A-frame right now because you need it for your versatility of hunting. Awesome. Also, I'd like to give a big thanks out to Motion Duck Decoy. Um, and Elliot and I have both been running their decoy spreader system this season. Um, you know, puts lifelike movement in your set, especially for those non-wind days when you need the water not to look like glass. You get the ultimate spreader, or they have they have the seven and they have the four. Um, Elliot, have you run the four at all, or do you just run the seven? Yeah, no, I run the four. That's what I've been running all season. Is the nice. four? Yeah, and so the I four four puts out a lot of motion, and the seven, um, even more so. So I've been running the seven. Um, haven't actually broken down to four, but um. You know, they got the two different options there, and the big difference between that and a jerk rig is you don't have them all in a line, kind of looking uniform. It really kind of gives it more of a like-like um, appearance. So if you haven't seen it, you know, the best way to check it out is 
via video, and Elliot and I have both been using it this season. So you can check it out on our videos, or you can check it out at Motion Ducks. Um, they definitely have some visuals that you can see it, but um, you know something that is great for getting the motion in your set and a big upgrade from traditional jerk rigs. And the, the yeah. code for that is uh, Duck Gun. Um, what, you got the code, Elliot? Yep, it's Duck Gun, all caps, no space. D-U-C-K-G-U-N. Just double-checking on that one. Yep. Uh, also, we have partnered with Banded, Avery, and GHG, which is Greenhead Gear, and we have been using their products all year long, from their decoys to their clothing to their waders. Um, you know, their waders, they've got a 2.0 red zone out right now, and, man, we are in love with the look and the feel and the productivity of these waders. So if any, basically anything you need, guys, as far as setting yourself up for waterfowl hunting, go to banded.com. You can access them and Avery and Chi right there on the same website. They're housed under the same umbrella. Um, so anything you need, check them out because their products certainly are worthy of your consideration. Yep. Oh, and I was going to say our guest tonight is <laughs> works for Banded as yep. well. So, um, which is really cool. He's Phil there. Conkey. So excited to talk to him. Yeah, media marketing guy, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know what his exact yeah. title is, but that's what he works in. And kind of to add, I want to add on to the, the waiter thing. And so we, we get that question asked a lot and somewhat, um, you know, I can't speak to the 1.0s on those red zones. Um, I know some people said something about leaking, but I can tell you on mine, I'm up to 40 hunts this season. Um, and I've been bone dry from start to finish. Well, and I, I've got four, I got four pair of them. And if I wasn't such a klutz, I wouldn't be having issues. Because hunt number two, I walked right into a barbed wire fence and ripped a hole in the shin. And then somewhere along the line, I punctured um, about the waistline of the back one, probably in some of those locust trees with the big thorns or something. <laughs> so I'm my own worst enemy with these waders. Um, but I've yet to find an, an actual leak that I can attribute to a seam or the design or or something like that but I, i've got the m3 5200 uh, marine bonding stuff that joel strickland talks about i'm ready to patch well, those ones up i think the only thing that's going to save you is if, if somebody comes out with a kevlar um waiting material that you can't just walk right i mean that you can walk into a bob wire fence and be fine so chain mail <laughs> i need some like uh old-fashioned knight armor i am so hard on my gear oh man i try to get better about it i am just <laughs> a beast on my gear if i was hunting gear i would not want elliot to buy me let's yep. say that all right well i think it's probably a good time to go ahead and jump to the podcast so uh let's go ahead and grab phil and get into it hey guys i'm jordan fromer i believe in hunting hard hunting smart and having a fun time while doing it and shooting limits, well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. All right, well, I think it's perfect time to go ahead and jump into the podcast. And we got a special guest on you for, for tonight. Um, he is famous for his wildlife photography as well as his Instagram profile. He's dabbled in podcast as well as blogging, YouTube tutorials, and my most recent obsession, he is somewhat of a master builder on boat blinds. How are you doing tonight, Phil? 
I'm doing well. Thank you, guys. Awesome. So, uh, you know, go ahead, um, let people know how uh, your season's going and, you know, a little bit about who you are and, and what you got going on. I know uh, you've been on here before, so some of our listeners have definitely heard from you before, but, you know, for those that haven't, go ahead and fill them in. Oh, I'm just saying, uh, <clears throat> to, put it, to put it simply for people that would be listening to the Duck Hunting Podcast, I'm just the guy that is eating up with duck hunting and ducks, and I really have been, man, since since I watched my dad get waders and decoys ready since uh, I was probably seven or eight years old, and since he took me with the next year, and ever since then, it's been the the thing in my life and the driving factor everything I've done has had some um, I guess uh, some way to have duck hunting considered into it whether it was jobs relocation girlfriends all that kind of stuff um, just a guy that loves, loves duck hunting um, as you mentioned I do the photography thing um, and that would really started out just as a way for me to get to spend more time around ducks and be able to decorate my own walls with things that I took and experiences that I had, you know, and so on top of that, all the hunting stuff was just built. That's not so helped me become a photographer, I guess, is that kind of experiences and knowing how to hide, doing all that part of it. And then um, on the on the backside of that, being a photographer and having so many different interactions with ducks has kind of helped me just become a better duck hunter too and, and being someone that wants to just go out and get after him and be around as much as I possibly can. So, so many duck hunters perspective, that's pretty much my life. Awesome. I definitely can uh, relate on a lot of that. Um, <laughs> you know, just something about a greenhead and a mallard cupping right in into your set. And I saw actually you posted a, a little short video clip on your Instagram profile. I think that was today. Uh, no, of today, a, uh, of the mallard coming in to just about five yards, hovering around, sitting right down, and picking back up. And and I was just curious, why didn't you shoot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were already done that morning. That was oh, wow. that was one of our one of our you know, the sun hadn't even come up yet, and we were uh, we were done. We still had breakfast cooking in the boat, so <laughs> we figured we might as well call a few in while we were sitting there waiting. And uh, that that single did it really well. So that was probably one of my favorites little video snaps that I caught. I'm, I'm very much not a videographer. As much as I might be a photographer, I'm equally part not a videographer, but um, I love catching <laughs> those little cell phone snaps awesome. of ducks coming in like that. And Yeah. When you can get them to spin around inside the hole like that little dude was, that was Oh, yeah. That's fun. You could have took the shot anywhere in there. And I was, you know, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen in the video. And I was like, okay, he's going to take it now? Okay, okay. He was going to let him <laughs> land first. All right, he's going to get him on the way out. And he, oh, oh, he's letting them get a little bit further away. It's too close. And then it just kept flying. I almost so. felt like posting an apology because whenever you watch those videos, like you want to see that, that shot is like you're waiting for it. Like, oh, it's kind of like that little exclamation point on it. You don't see it and you're like, oh, man, what's going on? So I got asked a bunch of times why we never shot. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious about your season up there. So for those of you that don't know, um, I hunt in Kansas and Phil hunts. Nebraska, South Dakota area, and the perception down here in Kansas, we've had a really unusual year as far as migration. The teal didn't want to come down, and and I mean we've had some good big duck hunts, but I'm I'm actually hearing reports that up in Nebraska there's still widgeon and teal. So number one, how has your have you noticed that the birds have held in your area 
longer than normal. And what can we expect with this cold front? What do you guys have right now? What might we expect coming down? Uh, you know, it's one of those deals. I, I've seen a bunch of posts on, on Facebook and whatnot about all the ducks that are up north and all the baloney that people talk about. Ponds being heated and all that stuff. And, you know, like up here, like we just, you know, we don't have any, we have, we have nothing that holds ducks besides rivers. And we've had some pretty major snowstorms, uh, really, and snow and cold snaps since, man, like the first part of November. And the majority of the state really froze up pretty hard mid, mid-November. And there wasn't a lot of dust left from then on. Um, and then, you know, we got to early December and we had a couple of really big cold fronts and that pushed basically everything out there's a few that hold the river systems yet but it's not it's definitely not big big numbers in the scheme of you know the central flyaway mallard population um we don't have really at this point we basically have nothing left for mallards i mean we have some but like i don't i think if all of our mallards that were in state the south Dakota right now migrated into kansas i don't think you'd even notice um yeah, that's far, not what I want to hear. <laughs> no. And as far as like all the other ducks, basically, I mean, you could tell about the only other quantifiable number of ducks that we have would be Merganz- or common Mergansers right now. <laughs> Everything else is, you know, a super one off. We might have a widgeon or a pintail here and there, but for the most part, those suckers are all long gone. Although we did shoot, uh, we just closed up here uh, about a week and a half ago. A little less, and I was hunting the week before that, and we did shoot a dang bluing teal, uh, <laughs> which which really was a surprise. Was it but, at least a drake, full plumage? Of course not. It was a hand. Oh, it couldn't wow. be a drake. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way it'd be a drake. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a really big bluing teal fan in the first place, but just to say we shot one in late December in South Dakota is pretty odd because it might be hard to shoot them in mid October for the most part. So, yep. But yeah, there's not a lot of ducks left. I mean, we just, we don't have we got nothing to really hold them. So you guys, uh, you guys get into the goose hunting then when that happens? Um, you know what I do personally before I start before I resort. You know, a lot of people are probably them crazy, but before I resort <laughs> to goose hunting, is um, I'll start I'll travel. I'll go south for ducks through January or west or whatever I got to do to stay on ducks before I goose hunt, and then. Once that's done, you know, at the end of January this year, I will, I'll get out and goose hunt a little bit. Um, and it's kind of the same deal. We don't have a ton of geese. We got a couple spots that have a lot of geese. Um, and, you know, access to those is a little more limited than it would be during the regular part of the season. Um, so I don't go too crazy on the goose hunting thing like, like I used to. I used to love it. Now I kind of more to something else to do. Either I either choose goose hunting or ice fishing and, Lately, it's been as much ice fishing as it, as it has goose hunting. So, so has your season been better than average, or average, or less, or worse than average? Um, mine personally has been uh, better than average a lot. I would say it's been really good. We have we were in the same boat as you guys, where we had a lot of that that water um, late late summer, early fall, just un, unbelievable amounts of rain. 
and so much flooded stuff that we had a lot of ducks around, um, especially the first couple weeks of our season were really good. And then right real close to me, it wasn't great through mid-October. Um, I'd travel. I would have had to travel a little bit. I got kind of lazy in my scouting and just didn't want to stay overnight in hotels to hunt flooded corn, which people probably raised another question. But <laughs> we did have we did have a lot of flooded corn in the state. I mean, un- unbelievable amounts of it. And it's all natural flooded corn, just from rain. Um, but the thing with that is that stuff freezes up so fast because, you know, it's one to two feet deep and, the minute you get a cold snap, it's frozen, so it doesn't really hold any more ducks later in the state than um, it would if we didn't have that. But what it does do is it, it relocates them, it doesn't spread them out as much, it concentrates them in those areas where we have that. Um, and those areas were, were absolutely loaded with, with ducks. You could go to some areas that traditionally would be the, the main spots if you were coming from out of state to say, to hunt here in South Dakota, there's a, there's a few towns that are kind of like the the key places that people go and they stay in the hotels and all that. And those areas didn't have much for ducks, but if you went just to these other little spots, if you knew about it or found about them or found out about them or heard about them, whatever it was, and you scouted them up, you found them and you were really in them then. <clears throat> but without that, I mean, you know, that corn's got a, a drawing power. And I didn't and I didn't chase that very much in mid mid October. Then it got cold real quick, and then my November was really good. December was really good, so I, I definitely can't complain. It was it was a good season. Do you keep track of your numbers or days hunted or anything like that? You know, I don't. Um, the only way I do is on my uh, Lightroom photo uh, on my computer on Lightroom. I take. I, I pretty much try to take some kind of photos every day of what's going on and sunrises and the whole deal. Um, and I have that. And I also try to take a, a photo of our, you know, when we're done hunting every day, like our hero shot or whatever. <laughs> I try to do that. And, um, and I don't have a number, but it was good. I mean, it was really good, especially from November on. It was probably one of my, if, if not my best season, my second best season. So, Really good. Well, if you decide you want to right track your numbers, I'll set you up an account over at Freelance Hunt Stats. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know what? I think I have one. I I just got. I'm once once season going, man. I'm I'm kind of like single track mind on chasing them. Then work, work, and it's chase ducks, and that's about. If it doesn't involve those two things, I'm pretty much out of it. Yeah, but work work is the best time and the best place to mess around with freelance on stats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Well, the problem is like when I'm working, I'm at home or I'm I'm at my duck camp or whatever, so I have to like yeah be focused on those. That's, otherwise, it's really easy to get <laughs> to get off track already. So I need to like got to fund your fund your obsession. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so right now with all your travels. And I, I know you say uh, you, you get the chance to go to different states and all that kind of um, on a whim for you, when you you know the ducks are in the area. But how many licenses um, for different states did you end up purchasing this season? This season was not many. Um, but last year, what would be the 2018, 2019, I think I had a waterfowl hunted in – uh, Minnesota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, 
test it. That was it. Nice. So that's so, se- that's so, seven. <laughs> yeah. So last year was really good for that. This year it'll probably only be um, it'll be South Dakota, Nebraska, Missouri, and probably Kansas. I would guess yet. Hopefully. So cool. Not not quite as not quite the craziness of last last year was a bit extreme. Nice. I don't get you don't get that <laughs> opportunity every every year by any means. So. Yep, yep. It, it worked out well. Yep. Jordan, how many states did you do this year? Three or four? Yeah, just just three. I've been in Indiana, Michigan, and Kansas. So by far, Indiana has been the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I saw a lot of good uh, posts of photos of dudes hunting Michigan this year that had really good hunts, like a lot. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of hunters in Michigan. There's a lot of water, and apparently there's a lot of ducks. So a lot of waterfowl. For yeah. my, This was my first year hunting up in Michigan, and, I mean, it was phenomenal. I will probably never go a season again without getting a Michigan license, and it's not that it's not that far away from me. It's like, I mean, we're oh. talking about, like, I, I drive an hour and a half. I mean, I drove up to the furthest I drove oh. was, like, four and a half hours. But, uh, yeah. I mean, That's it was. not bad at all. Yeah, no, it's something that I'm going to keep exploring. You know, I was really uh, lucky to have a couple guys up there. Um, there's a couple groups that would invite me, and then especially kind of um, uh, one of the groups I got connected with, um, the Michigan boys or the two Kevins. Is kinda, I'm trying to figure out a good name for them, but Kevin and Kevin, they would invite me up there, and, uh, I mean, I had a lot of good hunts with them, so – um, you know, it helps anywhere you hunt to have somebody who has prior experience, you know, they've been oh, yeah. hard for 10 years. And so me just to pop up into Michigan, it's probably not that phenomenal for everybody, but every time they invited me on a hunt, we just saw tons of birds and had really good hunts. So my, my oh, Michigan yeah. that, experience was great this year. <laughs> that prior experience, I mean, even get hints, it makes a big difference. I mean, that, that helps a lot. Yep. Oh yeah. I mean, no matter, no matter who we are. Or what kind of hunting groups you have? Having a little idea of where to go and boat mm-hmm. launches to use, all that kind of stuff makes a huge difference. So, yeah. yeah, that's why whenever I talk about duck hunting with anybody, it's always for me. I'm like, it's the long game, the long game. I, I mean, I got a ton of time for my duck hunting career to kind of <laughs> keep expanding and growing. It's just like pick up as much information as you can um, along the way because I mean, experience pays off so much and you see anybody who's done it for a while compared to like if you're just going to a place and winging it um it just helps a ton yep there's uh on a, one of the things i love about being connected to a bunch of guys that kind of really know what's going on um a buddy of mine actually passed away this past fall or this summer um but the dude knew something about any spot that held ducks in the Midwest, and pretty much the central Mississippi flyway, for that matter, from Minnesota all the way down to Louisiana and Texas, for that matter. You could ask him about a spot. If you mentioned the name, he could tell you. He could tell you what it was about, what was the time of year it was going to be good, the water level that it needed to be to be really good. You know, and you only get that through through experience and doing it. So I yep. love that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's go ahead and change gears a little bit. Um, you know, before we dive into kind of like the 101 kind of 
nitty gritty. You know, I think we need to do a little convincing to Elliot and uh, <laughs> bring some uh, allure to the boat blind world. So, um, <laughs> you know, if you're going like, to. Uh, well, if you're going to start it that way, you've got to let me <laughs> give my opinion on it. Yeah. You know, I gotta, I gotta poke some fun here and there where I can. So, <laughs> yeah, but you just gotta let me flush it out. Okay, okay, so. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so real quick history of my experience with with uh, boat blinds um, in Kansas. The type of marshes that we've got, especially in the central part of the state, you know, you're dealing with um, vegetation that's not that tall. And, um, we kind of, when we got, when we started getting into boats, we played around with boat blinds and everything and, and saw a bunch of them like out at the bottoms and, and places like that. And we came to the, um, feeling that in those type of settings, you just can't get them in as close and kill them as close as what we wanted to do. So we took the boat blind off of our, um, off of our surface drive boat and we went to layout hunting. And so our, our feeling has always kind of kind of been that we are not a big advocate of boat lines for that reason. Now, that changed a little bit when I went up to the Nebraska South Dakota border because up there it's a the way people brush their blinds where you hunt is a whole different deal than the blinds that I was seeing and the way we were brushing our brushing our blind in the mid 90s down here. Cuz when I went up where you guys were, it was like uh you couldn't even see the boat i mean yeah when guys brush them around here it's an obvious box and it's it sticks out heavily <laughs> it's a boat you can tell it's a boat it's a box and and did those ducks you know when they're pressured they start learning those square boxes are something that you don't want to finish on yeah and so that's how that's how we came to our belief system down here in kansas however when we did go up there to the river system I had a whole different idea. Well, and the cover up there in that area, at least, you know, where I'm talking about is those yep. fragmite grasses are a whole different ball game than yep. waist deep cattails, you know? So, Oh yeah. So the, the whole and, point of this podcast. So before you answer, the whole reason I had you on here is right now to, we got to change Elliot's mind and have him have a hard side <laughs> blind welded onto his boat by next season. So that's, that's your okay. goal on this podcast. <laughs> you you got to, yeah. I'll tell you what, you got a big job in front of you then. <laughs> we can work on that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and kind of, kind of give a little bit of prefix to this. So, um, I recently, I've been, I've been wanting a boat, but like, I kind of started from the bottom. I got a, a John boat. I got a 16 foot John boat with an old motor. It's like a uh, it's a 1979 15 horse Evinrude, um, two stroke motor on on the boat. So I, I got that. And the first thing I'm doing is like I, I started doing some Google searches, trying to figure out like what I should do for the boat blind game. And I've never really kind of even looked at it or been exposed to it at all. And so I actually kept coming across. <laughs> I kept coming across you, Phil. I mean, you got videos up on YouTube. You've done a podcast about it. Um, I got got up on the Facebook group. It's called Boat Blind DIY Boat Blinds, and then DIY, I saw yeah. I saw comments from you in there. So it's like everywhere I went, it seems like you're in there. So it's like, hey, he must be the the resident duck uh, duck hunting industry. <laughs> 
guru <laughs> on boat blinds. <laughs> so one of them, maybe one of them. Yeah. So that's kind of you know how this all came about, and uh, you know, actually, I built my own little blind on there, and it's not, it's nothing, it's nothing compared to like what you have, and honestly, I would love someday. My goal is to to have a boat like that. Um, yep. with a hard side blind on there, but I mean, there's a bunch of different options, and I don't want to get the the horse before the cart on this. So, um, yeah, I guess the the first question I'd kind of lead into that after giving, um, the 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 prefix of the whole situation. Um, you know, what are some of kind of like the highlight moments of using a boat blind? Um, and then kind of on the other other end of that, what have been of some of the most frustrating moments of using a boat blind? Um, okay, so start like with with the whole bolt blind scenario. I've hunted on a boat since I was little. Um, all our first boats were just John, probably a John boat, probably very similar or a little lightweight Vho with a nine point nine horse on it or fifteen or something like that, comparable to what you have now. Probably that's what we started when I was little. No blind, we tucked in the cattails. Broke cat goes over us and we hung down that. As I got a little more serious, I bought different blinds. I built different blinds. Um, I've had just the brands of one. I've had pop up brand blinds. I've had uh, Beaver Tail. I've had the Cabela's Northern Flight. I've had another homemade one that I made out of fabric. I had a low profile one that I made out of metal. I've hunted out of the. Um, uh, banded act blind boat blind um god knows what else and then basically culminated with like my hard side blind now and they all have their own place they all have their own purpose um and i mean for me like like the highlight of hunting out of a boat blind is especially like for me like the highlight for me is any day that we're out and we're hunting in comfort and concealment, and we're having blocks, singles, big wads of mallards working over the top at 20 to 30 yards, literally directly over the boat, circling around, hit them with the call, they circle, they come back in, they land at 10 yards. Like, and that was something that I built. Like to me, that's the pinnacle of coolness for me. Like something that I designed. I spent hours and hours building. We we drove it to the spot. We spent 15, 20 minutes kind of spending that little extra time to grasp it up and make it hidden. And then when that happens and there's no signs of flaring out of mountains and they come in 100% cooled, like that's the highlight for me. So every day that we hunt, if we have that, like, that's a highlight. I love that. Um, the challenges are, I'm not sure what the word to use was, but you know, I've had this boat now for four, I think it's my fourth season with it. And man, I can't think of a lot of challenges other than maybe it's big. It's big and it's sometimes hard to get into really skinny water situations. So that's maybe one challenge. Um, but if I was want to look at challenges with boat lines in general, there's without a doubt times where you just can't hide them um and they're and they're not convenient 
and they're not warm. And when it's cold out, everything is magnified. The level of difficulty is, is worse and worse. And pieces freeze together and plastic pieces break. And everything becomes harder as it gets colder. And we hunt a lot of cold weather. I mean, we're in South Dakota, it's cold from usually the 15th of November on, sometimes before that. And we're open until January. So we spend a lot of time dealing with below freezing temps, sometimes single digits. So that's why I personally went with the hard sled blind, just to kind of alleviate some of those problems of the blinds I've built on my own in the past. Kind of How big boat. is your boat? Uh, it's eighteen sixty, eighteen feet long, sixty wide. Okay. And if I were to do it again, I would probably get at least a seven. I will. Not you can't go bigger than seventy inches, or maybe seventy-two, I guess. Um, but I'd get a seventy-inch wide, and a, I'll, my next boat would probably be a twenty, twenty foot by seventy inches wide, mainly. Mm-hmm. Mainly for the flotation sake, the extra flotation that that, that that displacement adds when you start adding that width and the length. Mm-hmm. They're not like when you start throwing. What's your motor on that you're using? You know, I just have a 70 horse Yamaha on it and it goes <laughs> really well. I mean, I, I have zero complaints. It's light. I was just, I'm, I've been researching a little bit right now, actually trying to find a boat motor combo that I want that I can hopefully get a deal on at some point. Um, I think my motor now is like 250 pounds and that sucker will push this boat with four of us in it, two dogs, um, all of our junk, 100 deep, 100 duck loaders, 15 goose loaders, an oven, propane tank, and it'll push us at, uh, on flat water at in no wind, upper 20s, easy. That's so, yeah. I, that's that's quite you, the whole um, system you got there with with everything, all the guys, the you know everything like that. Um, I mean, it's like pushing around a full permanent blind everywhere. And for those of you who haven't seen, um, he actually does have some reviews on his YouTube of his boat. Um, and what what is your YouTube? Is it Phil? Is it Phil Conkey um, or what? Phil Conkey, wa- Phil Conkey Waterfowl. Okay. Like my. I don't even, I haven't even been on there in a year or so, but it's kind of an afterthought. But yeah, I do have a bunch of videos of my, of my duck boat on there. Yeah. And if you guys haven't uh, had a chance to look at it yet, I mean, it is, I mean, it literally is like a permanent blind with storage compartments for all his decoys and everything. So it's, it's set up just like a permanent blind um, or what I'd consider like a, yeah. a, a shore side yeah, permanent blind, um, yep. all brushed in, everything ready to go. Um. But you know, it's a boat as well. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a mobile. It's a mobile blind essentially. It's funny because we always joke. We like we take hiding a little more serious than it. I think we we value hiding and concealment more than I think most duck hunters do, and that's probably a reason for uh, success. But um, I feel like our our boat hides. We hide our boat. Our boat hides better, and we hide the boat better than most permanent blinds that we see. It like it just the little extra time that we take, the way we design the boat, plus the time we spend in the morning. So that permanent blind factor isn't yep. always the only key, but just doing that little extra bit makes a big difference. Um, yeah, no, it's a it's a slick setup. I mean, 
I, I'm, I'm certainly not the first person to ever create this style of boat. I've, I've made some like little minor modifications to mine over other variations that I saw that I like that I think makes it, makes it more huntable than other versions I've seen. Um, they're very common in the, in the upper Midwest just because we deal with cold a lot. And, Mm-hmm. And the way that we hunt, they hide very well in that. So, so one kind of thing um, that maybe is kind of a mis, a common misconception, or, or um, I don't know if that that's probably not the right wording, but you know, some people think that like when you hunt, like that hunting cold weather and like suffering through the elements and the difficulties and having like is like something almost you know, desirable or I'm, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, but you know, hunting. Uh, com- yeah. Like it's too comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I yeah, guess what would you say on too that? Luxurious. <laughs> Man, you know, I've had this conversation with a few people and I will, um, I, I, I will say I would invite any one of them into my boat one time and then tell me if they don't <laughs> enjoy the hunting experience more. I've hunted since I guess I was eight years old. And so basically for 30 years, 30 years, I didn't hunt out of a boat like this. I've hunted, I've walked in God knows how many places. I've drug sleds, pushed John boats, pushed Carson's fiberglass boats. I've stood in the water up to my nipples. I've been cold, I've shivered, the whole deal. Yep. And, and I love all of it. I mean, it's all fun. It all has a place. And and it, there's and some and people don't out. Not everyone can justify a boat like I have. Um, not everybody wants one. I want to use one. But I'm just gonna say that if you're if you like to proclaim that you need to be cold and miserable when you're duck hunting, well then I sure hope that you're wearing a Walmart cotton sweatshirt <laughs> with some uh, <laughs> the old white long johns, uh, some canvas waders. Maybe a uh, black Carhartt stocking cap, and couple holes in your waders, <laughs> and some neoprene gloves when you're out hunting. So it's as miserable as it can be because it'd be way more enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, that's a great way to I, put I have it. Yet, yeah, I have yet to find someone who has found the duck hunting experience to be less enjoyable because they didn't have to wear a parka, um, and they were able to, you know, to not wear gloves when they're hunting. And yeah. we don't have TVs. And, and you know what's funny thing is, is I make judgment calls on that myself because I see photos or videos of guys with boats similar to mine that have refrigerators in them or <laughs> TVs, and I of course say, "Oh, that's too much." So I mean, it's all it's all subjective. Yeah. yeah. But but there's no but I I mean even when I had fabric lines, man, I was doing what I could to make those suckers comfortable, and I had heaters in them. And even when we didn't have blinds, even when we shoved our boats in the castles, I brought a heater with. I was trying to keep warm. I mean, who who honestly wants to be cold? Like, if you've been cold duck hunting, it's not an enjoyable experience. It is fun. Yeah. Like, it's, it's you know, to be, to, to work, to work a bunch of mallards in a day and shoot them up close in your face and the whole time be comfortable, but yet still feel as if you're hunting, man, it's, there's nothing better than that yep no for sure and kind of a couple things to add on to that you know um like i said it's definitely like being warmer it kind of extends your hunts too in a way um you're oh, shoot more sure. birds and 
I mean, you have the yeah. possibility to do that. So overall, it's, I yep. mean, it's going to increase your success in a way to have, yep. you know, a setup like that and you're going to be able to endure more. But kind of on the same line, you know, a lot of some of the most memorable hunts I've been on are the ones that you had to work hard and persevere through. And so there is kind of like that fine line of that, which. Oh, there is. Yeah. Yep. For, for all that. No doubt. And then kind of. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I always figure, you know, we're hunting when it. I mean, we had a, a day this year we hunted in like 15 degrees and 40 mile hour winds. And just getting to the spot is persevering. And, and I'm going to, I'll say there's, there was nobody else hunting that day. I and mean, this is an area that's very pressured. And if we would have had a little a no boat blind and had to stand in the cattails or had like a non warm boat, we wouldn't have hunted. But yet it was, and still it was probably one of the absolute most insane duck hunts I've ever had because we were able to go out in those conditions. Yep. So, like, yeah, it's a trade off. I mean, I, I like them all. I mean, oh, yeah. I even, you know, but I even have I have a, a post uh, created on my Instagram page. Talk, I, I just, you know, you can save them. If I just start writing one one day about how I love hunting when it's 50 degrees and you're still shooting ducks, it's fun, it's comfortable, it's nice, but it's also really cool to shoot them when it's super cold. And every time you get out of the boat, it's freezing and your fingers are cold. Like it all. It, part of it has its own aspect of add to a hunt yep so you know you gotta kind of take some of it but yeah i I would never trade the that part of being comfortable and and being more effective and so that's that's the reason these blinds are built isn't necessarily for comfort but it's for concealment is the the main thing it hides the feathers side effect a side effect is that we're comfortable and i'll i'll take that side effect any day Awesome. I certainly would never have a problem with being comfortable. I do really, really enjoy hidden holes that you have to break a sweat to get to. And then when you're in there, you feel like you're so far back. No one knows where you are. There's a certain feeling. And I'm sure, you know, like you were talking about Arkansas before we got on here, you know, those hunts where you've got to get out of your boat and walk a half mile and you feel like, man, no one knows about this place. And, and you feel so removed from society. That's probably my favorite feeling when duck hunting. Oh, yeah. I love those. My favorite is when Elliot takes me to out to big reservoirs and we ramp over logs the whole way, and I feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, we, we boated on a reservoir in the dark, and there's just – I mean, some of these reservoirs in Kansas are not that old, so they still have a lot of submerged trees and everything. And it just it felt and, like if I was on the wrong side of the boat, we were going to capsize. We did hit a couple. Yeah. When we got back, I told uh, his uh, – uh, we were just talking to our wives, and I said that I felt like if we would have flipped the boat, we just would have died. And you're like, you can't say that around my wife. <laughs> No, keep that on the wrap so you get home. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we have flipped our boat. <laughs> That's oh true. boy. All right. I want you to direct this next question directly at Elliot. So um <laughs> okay. or this answer, but uh why are boat blinds superior in every way? <laughs> in every way. Um so I'm gonna say this as boat blinds and well. Because Elliot hunts on a boat 
a boat blind of some form. That's true. Um, on, on, his little, on his little boat. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, it depends on what kind of boat blind you're saying. Um, I am, personally, I just like the the huntability. If you have a well-designed boat blind, the concealment and the huntability out of it is something that you can't match from trying to hide a person, just a person and not in a boat, um, in whether it's cattails or a tree line or whatever. You don't have that. You don't have like the convenience of setting your shells down in front of you. You don't have the convenience of, um, keeping all your stuff dry like that itself is worth a lot but in in the right situations a bolt blind will hide better than just a single person and people seem crazy but i i think if you if it's done right and you use the circumstances that you have and you use the conditions the wind the sun cover all that kind of stuff I think you can hide a bolt blind as well as you can hide just the person. Okay, so so, um, so you're saying better than a layout blind layout boat? Well, um, yeah, that's a bolt blind. So I mean, yeah, that, I I know the stuff I know the stuff you guys hunt. And that's it's a little different. I'm so a lot I of what Elliot kind of to interject here a little bit. So a lot a lot of for the listeners, a lot of what Elliot hunts is up in smart weed. And it's really, I mean, it's like a foot of brush, maybe a foot and a half of brush above the water. And you're hunting a lot of times in shallow, shallow places. And so your layout boat kind of is right on level with all of that. So that's kind of your go-to as far as if you're going to hunt water, Elliot. Um, that's your setup, It's a right? different, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a different scenario than I typically hunt. So, but you know... I've hunted, you know, I haven't hunted your exact spot, and I'm, I'm not going to say that it for sure would work, but we have stuck my boat in the middle of one-foot-tall cattails and just kind of just dressed it up with, with those cattails and gave it that 3D effect. It's not invisible, um, but we've eliminated that like hard edge look and give it that 3d kind of depth that, you know, to make it at least look similar to the surrounding terrain or look, look like something that could be in the surrounding terrain. And we've shot a fair amount of ducks at those in at close ranges. And, um, but, and, and we're taller than the cover by a lot in those, in those situations. And we, we kind of get done with those hunts and we just look at each other and we shake our heads and they're like, man, I can't believe that works, but it does. Yeah. Um, but how, not, how many, how always... many times, how, how many times do you think, would you say it's consistent that with that short of cover that you can kill them at 15 to 25? Is that a consistent experience for you? Uh, I would say fairly. Um, I, mean, I honestly, like, I, we don't, we don't call many shots over 25 yards. Like there's, a, there's some times where we will maybe like, if you, if you happen to see that Instagram post I put up today, like you look at my decoys, like the farthest one is like 10 yards out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what if it's like, and, and we, and we had minimal cover that day. Like we did not have much cover. Um, but there was some stuff around us, like in the vicinity that, that wasn't, that was, you know, higher and a tree here, or a tree over there. So it wasn't like it's a big flat barren space kind of stuff. I'm, I'm suspecting that you're hunting. So, so what yeah. if it's but like a have, what if it's like a pintail finishing at like thirty yards right outside your set? Are you gonna take that shot? Oh yeah, <laughs> dude! A, a pintail finishing at any distance is a success on open water. I would say. There you Man, go. Man, there you go. Um, <laughs> now, I, I would say also that one one of our issues is that um, on this on the east part. So we hunt the central part of the state where you've got prairie marshes, and that's yeah. cattails and millet and moist soil natural vegetation and then on this side of the state we hunt uh, marshes that are on the inflow creeks and the reservoirs so when we're out in the central part of the state we need to be able to hunt those marshes but here we we've got multiple places where we have to take our um, 18 foot well-built flat bottom boat in a mile two miles and we want to then we've got to drag our layout boats through the woods so yeah it just makes more sense for us to put our layout yep. boats on top of the boat, drag it in, yep. pull it, you know, quarter mile through the woods. If we were, if we were going to go for us using a big layout, a uh, big boat line like that, I can't imagine like, and correct me if I'm wrong. I can't imagine your setup is really pop it on, pop it off uh, for, so we've oh, just got to no. stay more versatile with both ways too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a different deal. I mean, See, we, where I typically hunt, and, you know, and, like, so what I do is the places I hunt in, in around home here, most everywhere, if we can get a boat in, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be able to hide my boat. Um, if you give me even short cattails, I'm going to hunt it, and we're going to get them. You know, it might take a few more ducks than, you know, like we might have a few flare, but if we spend our time doing it, I think it's, it's going to turn out all right. Um, but like when I'm traveling, like I'm going to, I'm going to look at options that are going to be suitable to hunting on a boat line. And that's, you know, and it can be very, it can vary. I mean, I mean, a lot of times all you need is a dang cut bank. If you have a sharp bank and you can push that boat up against that edge and have a little bit of a backdrop. I mean, that's, that's all it takes. I feel like if I can push that boat up against any kind of a backdrop that's level with it, whether it's grass, dirt, anything, like I'm gonna pretty much disappear in the duck size. I mean they might they might see us, but they're not gonna associate us as being danger. So when you say level with it, you mean like level kind of with like the floor of it, not the top, right? Um the top. The okay. top for sure. For gotcha. sure it's top. Okay. Um but you know, this one of the last hunts I was on this year around home, um we hunted a thing that was the backdrop was maybe 16 inches above the water surface, and it was just an, an island in some water, and there was open water in front of it. We pushed up against it, we cut a bunch of vegetation, kind of made the boat just look like spots in the surrounding terrain, and and they had no clue. Mm. Like if, if you'd have if you had been someone who'd never done that before, you'd have been like, "There's no way, there's <laughs> no way this is gonna work." And I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, this is going to be tough. And yet, I mean, we finished flocks of 30 mallards at 
15 yards. And it's just because they just don't, they don't associate. I think I, I have a little bit of theory about it. You're hiding in the, in the plane open and you don't necessarily need to be invisible, which is like the layout boat design. Like there you, you're invisible. Yep. Like there's times where you definitely can see that there's a thing there. Oh yeah. But, but the thing doesn't look any different than what this clump of cattails does or this clump of fragmites or, you know, what this little tree with a broken branch has. Like you, you're trying to fit into something that would be in their normal territory. And then when you, when you can do that, for the most part, like you can get away with it. There's some that are going to take you out for as long as they're not seeing into your, like, you know, your shooting holes, they're not seeing the motor or an edge or whatever. Like you can get away with it a lot more than people think. So, so kind of like, um, to add on to that in a way, well, okay. So, if you kind of look at it from the perspective of field hunting, where people have used layout blinds for a lot longer, a- and yeah, the people exactly. have switched it's to exactly A-frames. Perfect scenario. So A-frames are yeah. kind of like, it's make yourself perceived as not a threat. You want to look like a big clump of grass. Like, you know, if you have like two A-frames lined up, it's like you're almost like a hedgerow. Um, two, two A-frames is better than one. Yep. I would say. If you yep. have two or three A-frames in a row, you're doing way better than you would if you just had one. Yeah. And it's the same exact, that's a perfect comparison because, you know, an 18 foot boat is a pretty significant chunk of territory sitting out there and yeah. you make it look like stuff around there. And it's the exact same with having two or three A-frames out in the middle of a field. You're basically creating a waterway in, in a field or you're creating a ditch or whatever it would be that, that geese or ducks just fly over all the time in a field never think twice about but it happens to be hunters and blinds we're kind of doing the same thing with our boat like we aren't always there's times where we've disappeared and i think one of those pictures i sent you um you almost can't even tell this boat there except you see the front and you see the headlight and the dog and my buddy stand there well you wouldn't know there's a, a boat there but a lot of times we hunt I'm just right in the dang open and you're just, you're kind of creating your own cover is what you're doing. Like you're, you're becoming the cover mm-hmm. and that so, it's not, I mean, it isn't, I'd rather, I would much rather tuck into some tall cattails or some fragmites, but you can't always do that. So if you can't, you just got to make it work. And I mean, I you to showed me the stuff that we've shot birds out of out of this boat when I had my soft sided blinds where I couldn't do some of the things I do now. I'd be like, no, there's no way that's gonna work. No way. They're gonna you're gonna shoot them at fifty at best. And yet they so, come and so they just sit the, right down in there. What's the biggest pro or what's the biggest um kind of increase in success or reason for that from going to the soft sided blind to the hard side blind? Because I know probably almost everybody who has a boat blind, I'd say it's probably we're, we're talking it's got to be like 90% are doing the, the soft side blinds. Yeah, probably 99% for that matter. Okay. And so what's like um, the big kind of difference or w- what's going to allow you to have that additional success going to a hard side blind? There's a couple, I think. One of the main ones is that your cover that you put onto the boat doesn't get matted down. Um, you're able to take and stick. Um, like for us up here, we use tumbleweed. We use tumbleweeds and we put those suckers on in 
uh, late October, and they add that three. They're, it's like literally the tumbleweeds you see bouncing across the roads in a western <laughs> movie. That same stuff. And for us, it adds that the kind of three D dimension that breaks up all the corners. Like a duck will see something, but they don't see square, hard frame, the boat line. That's just a little blob. They see kind of just a big, smooth-looking thing out in the middle of the marsh. Like, huh? And it doesn't set off their alarms. Um, that's one. That's one advantage. Another advantage of a hard side is you're able to. I think you're able to close off your holes, your, your shooting holes, a lot better. Um, and that's a big deal. I I think um, when a duck is, uh, you know, on divers, anything that comes in low, no no big deal. So no, it's, it's better no uh, better top cover too. Better concealment on the top. I mean, if you because where where I'm hunting, probably seventy five to eighty percent of the time. I have water on my front and my back, which if you're hunting mallards, pintails, widgeon, any of that kind of stuff, when they circle, they're going to circle over the top of you and go over your back. Um, if you're hunting like a hard edge lake, if you're hunting like a, you know, like a, a rocky edge lake in Minnesota where there's trees on the shore, they're probably going to tend to work out in front of you more. So it's not as big of a deal. If you're hunting these marshes, they're coming over the top of you and they're going to come over low. And like I kind of mentioned, you know, we always want those suckers to sit down in the hole before we shoot. And so you're a lot of times we're letting ducks float over us at 20 yards or 30 yards above us. And you're sitting there. And I remember the first times we did it and you just sit there and you'd wait. And as they come over, you kind of cringe <laughs> and you're waiting to hear that kind of eruption of wings flaring. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you don't, and you don't hear it. You're like, okay, and you kind of poke your head out, hit them as hit them behind you at seventy five yards. They spin around, like, well, here they come, and then they do it. So that I think that top concealment is a huge, huge deal. I mean, that like that's on my next boat. I have plans to create even better ways to like conceal the top of our boat, the top of our boat, and our shooting holes even better than we do now. Um, it's kind of one of those things you try. Even though it's good, now I want it to be better. Next time. And, and before we get too um, far away from it, you said like uh, your brush and all that's going to not be matted down as much. And so I guess I, kind of a couple questions on that. I mean, if you have a soft-sided blind that has stubble straps, like what's the difference between – I mean, I know you used kind of uh, – it's like chicken wire, but a step up. I can't remember what it's called. Um, um, yeah, it's uh, garden fencing. Garden fencing. So. Um, so the, one of the differences is, is that every time that you fold down your blind, on a soft side blind, it all <clears throat> mashes okay. down on top of each other. Whereas in a hard side blind, it just stays there mm. over a season. You know, over like I mean, like right now, like I'm, my boat looks embarrassing right now. Um, there's, it does not look like it, I'd want it to. Where all my tumbleweeds been broken off. It's been snowed on. There's been ice all over them. Um, we've shoveled snow on top of it to hide better in snowstorms. So it doesn't look like I'd want it to, but yet we spend a little extra time now to make it look good. Okay. Um, but having that hard side blind, like you give yourself a little better structure to, um, kind of construct your, your day to day cover up. Like you have your cover, it's always going to be which is should always be better on a, on a hard side permanent blind anyways. 
because you're not holding it down. How do you but, how do you keep your brush from blowing off when you drive? Um, the tumbleweeds themselves, like if you jam them down into that grass, into that fencing enough, I think it's got enough stuff in there to keep them hooked. Um, and a lot of the cover I take off, say, like when I'm done hunting, if I have cattails jammed in there or if I have fragments, I take that off day to day. Just, okay. And if I'm, what I like, I like is I just make a pile. I take it all off and leave it where we hunt it in case we hunt that same spot the next day. Um, but I don't like to drive around with all my stuff on the boat. Looks funny. So. <laughs> um, okay. So you don't but, actually drive it around brushed in. Cause that's what I was imagining um, I, going down the highway I, and you have this huge I have, blind I have, behind you. <laughs> I have done that. Yes. And I mean, we have like our, our tumbleweeds. We have that on all the time. So it looks like a big puffy thing driving down the road. Um, but the stuff that we hunt, like specific to the spot that we hunt, like we leave, we typically leave that. Um, and I'm part of it. So I don't know, like some of that transportation laws in terms of what you can haul around. So do you guys brush every hunt with what's around where you're hunting then? Is that the goal? Yeah. Yeah. We'll spend, I bring in an electric uh, weed trimmer. We'll spend 10 minutes drafting it up pretty good. 10 minutes isn't bad. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That's that's the advantage is we don't have to spend a lot of time. Um, You know, on my old, I'm looking, I'm in my garage right now. I've got all my old, a lot of my hunting photos and I'm looking at, pictures of my old boat blind i'm thinking my god that day we spent like half an hour grassing that blind up to get it to look even remotely as good as what my current blind looks like at 10 yeah it's funny how you know hunting is such an evolution um within yourself and you know you look at how you've done things 10 years ago and and how it evolves and i know with our layout boat hunting when we're fully brushed up now, we look so much better than we did just with the old grass mats, you know, 10 years oh, ago. Huge. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but one, one thing that, um, you know, with our layout boats, when we first started using them, we used to try to lay out just over water with minimal cover. And we felt really fast that it didn't work. And to this day, we still, you know, feel like if we're not in, you know, cover at least as, as tall as the boat, you know, as tall as possible, then we're not going to pull ducks. But then I hear like, there's a, a guy on the chat saying, well, you know, that they just sit out in open water with, with this stuff. And, and I kind of hear you saying the, the same thing. And, and um, I, I believe in anything oh, yeah. you say you, you've been at it, but it's, it's, it's a head scratcher for me because our personal experience, even the layout boats is you can't just lay out in the open. But yet I hear the people kind of saying differently. So it leaves me kind of so like, well, maybe I, think, I, I jumped through the gun in my conclusions or something. I don't know. I think there's a fine line there. And, and I think you, that's a good point. There's people that I know who have boats like mine. And I've done it. I hunted last year. Um, I think it was the day before. It was like December 31st or something like that. And we hunted. And everything was snow and everything was ice. And we couldn't get into any cattails. And we had basically no cover. And we hunted up against essentially what was a huge ice bar. And everything was white around us, like pure white, like ice and snow. And then there, here's my boat, brown with a bunch of um, tumbleweeds and cattails on it. And we rolled down and we hunted, found a spot we wanted to hunt where there wasn't too much ice. We had a little pocket. 
we just backed it up against this edge and just stuck. And then we even like there was you couldn't push it in anywhere to put bars or uh, like some conduit poles up against it to keep it in place. And what do you know? We shot ten mallards and like two geese in an hour and a half. Every one of them feet down, backside line under probably thirty yards. And I think there's a line where you get to like it, it would go back. I think you could compare it back to the A-frames. Like if you have an A-frame sitting blatantly out in the open, or a layout line hidden not completely well in the cornfield, but kind of hidden, like they're going to probably be more conscious of that layout line than they are of the panel line or the A-frame because it's not as big and like, the hiding in plain sight, I think, is, is the difference there. So I think if you're not, like, invisible, you just need to be – you need to have that factor where you're at least not looking like a clump. You look like mm-hmm. something that would just be naturally out there. Those small clumps mm-hmm. are hard. Like, I feel like hiding mm-hmm. – I mean, we've, we have, we've had a lot of flooded corn in the state in the last few years, and people think it's awesome and it's amazing. But trying to hide, like, in a flooded cornfield and, – and you're in a cornfield, and you have camel that you think matches and this and that. Mantle's ducks fly over the top of you, and every single time those suckers are going to flare. Whereas I feel like if you took, I'd be I'd be better off taking a dang A-frame, and or a panel blind, and grasping that thing with corn stalks and just being a big blob of corn stalks. You probably hide better than one guy trying to hide in those rows because they look down and they see that and they're oh shit and they get out of there. Mm-hmm. So it's a, there's a, there's a fine line between like big and small, I think in that in that scenario or being right in the open or being kids. It depends. And Jordan, on I don't know if you remember, Jordan and I had a guest one time we were talking about A-frames and you're you're saying the same thing. The way he said it was in a layout line, you're trying to become invisible. In an A-frame yep. or a big boat blind, you're trying to look natural and there's a difference between being invisible and looking yeah, just natural. Yeah, and I, and I think, yeah. I think exactly. the problem with layouts is not as, it's like you know, with your layout boat, you actually get level with that brush and it works really well. But like in a field with a layout, usually you're not level with the ground. There's just no way to do it. No. Um, unless you're actually digging it in and that's a lot of work. <laughs> but uh Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I kind of uh wondered, you know, kind of going into this, and that was what I was hoping to hear, um, because I really do wanna kinda get into the boat blind game a little bit, you know, and <laughs> And also, you know, poke poke fun at Elliot a little bit, give him a little bit of hard time because I, <laughs> I know yeah, you yeah. you love your layout boats and all that. But uh, yeah, you know, kind of at this point, Elliot, um, and you know, we're all friends here, and you know, the kind of saying sports, whatever happens on the on the court, you know, keep it on the court. So, but you have any reservations to you know having the boat blind? I want you to kind of come at it with fire and fury. <laughs> Not the way Phil does it. Um, most of uh, very few boat blinds have I seen have proper top cover. I mean, very few. 
most of them, the experience that I've seen with boat blinds is like I said, boxes that are wide open on top. And I'm just watching guys bang at ducks at 40 yards. Um, if I, if I had a system like Phil's that had the top cover like his, then now I, I, I still wouldn't switch to it at this point because we wouldn't be able to transport our layout boats on this side of the state. Um, but if I had Phil's system, I would have no issue hunting that and, and giving it a go. And, and the main, the main reason is the top cover that he produces. And also it doesn't just look like a rectangle. I think those two factors, you know, make it. So I'd, I would be, I would be all in on that type of structure. And there's, there's places you would hunt. There's places you hunt in your state that it would work really well. And like, obviously those places where you say you got to drag your layouts in when you're not getting my boat into those spots. Yeah. So, so kind of on that, uh, yeah. kind of on that vein, I want, I want to hit on that same thing you're talking about, but, um, um, kind of like head to head with Elliot's layout boat. So you got a boat blind, the big bulky thing versus the layout boat. And the big advantage to Elliot is that he can drag it wherever he wants. So like, let's say though, it's, it's a place that, um, that's not an issue. You can both get your boat in, into the place to hunt, but it's kind of the smart weed setup that Elliot's used to. I mean, do you feel confident with your layout boat that it can go kind of head to head and finish birds just as close as Elliot is in his layout boat in the, in the smart weed? Um, you know, it would depend. We hunted, uh, central Missouri last year and there was not a lot of cover in place. There was a little bit of brush, but mainly smart weed. And we literally took my boat, and we spent probably 15 to 20 minutes going out and grabbing snartweed, throwing it up on the boat, and then strategically placing the boat, you know, with the wind and the sun, the way the birds are going to come in. And uh, we had like four awesome days in a row doing that. Um, but I think the spots are still a little different than what he's hunting or, and what I've seen. I mean, like the places, I think, Elliot's hunting is like probably just straight up low, low cover, like no, no high cover anywhere, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we'd be talking two or three feet off the water, three at the map. Oh, well, if you three gave me be, three, three feet would be fantastic. Foot, foot, if you, gave me, if you gave me three feet, I would no doubt, I would without a doubt say, yes, we, we'd do it. Uh, two feet, I think we probably could. You give me one foot, we're definitely going to stick out. A fair amount. Right. So Jordan, think about life. Jordan, think about where you and Titus and I hunted. Yep. Um, on that point. So that cover, there was areas in there I didn't even feel comfortable comfortable layout hunting in because but then as you got a little farther back, yeah, I would have to be side by side with Phil and I would have to see that that he was able to get them in at 15 yards in those conditions. I wouldn't feel comfortable in something that sticks up in, in those conditions with, with mallards. Um, now maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he could get in there and, you know, uh, the layout boat. I just feel like with that kind of cover that we can just disappear. <laughs> and, you know, I, a, I would, there's a value I wouldn't that. be comfortable. There's no, there's no doubt. I, in that scenario, I, yeah, it, if it was like a foot tall and you're, and your layout boats were barely hidden. 
I think if you had enough ducks, you'd probably get it to work, but, and you get, and you get the ones in, especially if the condition, if you had the sun and the wind, right, you can play that kind of stuff. That's one thing that we, we do do with these boats is we'll play like, we might have, we might shoot them from the side sometimes rather than just the front. Um, like we, we play that a little bit more than we would, you know, if you were completely hit, like if you were completely invisible. Then you just set up however you wanted, but we will play sun and the wind quite a bit more, and the and and including the available cover quite a bit more than we would if say we were, you know, in something that would could just completely literally disappear. Um, and that's one of like the things that I'm kind of alluding to when I was taking like talking about taking photos is like. You, you use that shadow and you use the shade and you use the way the birds are going to work and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's a different, it's a different deal. And as the more you do it, and that's what I, reason I had this conversation with a couple, one of my buddies, one of my main hunting buddies, I said, you know, like these last few years for us have been unbelievable um, in terms of how many ducks we've shot and how many ducks we've had just within ultra close ranges. And I said one of them, I think the factors is that we've learned how to hide this boat and how to use its advantages against birds. Because there's, there's advantages and there's disadvantages. But if once you kind of figure that out, like you, it's, it's a big step in getting a lot of birds to finish closer in places that you maybe wouldn't think they would. So. So the, well, but... and, and another another aspect you have to think about is if you look at me with boat blinds, I would I don't have the Phil's had enough years that he's perfected this system. He's perfected it. He sees what works. He sees what doesn't work. Whereas we we tried to use a boat boat blind for like one year, and we <laughs> saw other guys doing it improperly. So a lot a lot of our knowledge base and our opinions come from a time when we didn't really know what we were doing, and. I mean, Phil's had all this time to perfect it. So it's really the conversation on whether this would work versus wouldn't, wouldn't work. You know, you're just, I can't even approach to have the same expertise and knowledge base as Phil does because he's been doing it for so long Yeah, and he obviously has it figured out. Yeah. So kind of the, the short answer to, to, to your, to the question there, um, Phil was, you're saying uh, pretty much it works just as good, but the long answer is it depends. There's a lot that goes into it. And a lot of things you can yeah, do right, I, and a lot of things you can do wrong. Yeah, there's just, there's just so many variables in any circumstance. I mean, like you could there's places where there's probably places where my boat would hide better than Elliot's, which makes no sense. But I bet it's true. And there's probably circumstances where you know his whale boats are are gonna shoot a lot more than we would out of my big boat. Yeah. Well. You know, I guess that's a good enough answer. I was hoping that you'd just say a definite yes and that you and Elliot could kind of clash back and forth, but uh, I, guess, I guess we're not going to get that I was, tonight. I was starting to boil. <laughs> I was about to let Phil have it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm not – I got to be realistic. I mean, I, I know I've, – I've done I've done enough of all of it, but I know that there's differences in everything. And, and each, each little scenario, each, I mean, I honestly – even in, there's different lakes that I hunt that I know we can get away with more on a certain lake for some crazy reason than other lakes. So, 
Like it's just it's all so variable that you know you can't. I, I would never want to make a hundred percent blanket statement saying that we're better than that. But I mean, I know I know I would prefer shooting a lot of my boat than a layout <laughs> boat. That's for sure. I agree. Yeah. Agreed. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah. So it's a different animal shooting out of a layout boat. I'll tell you. Yeah. Oh yeah. People, I had um. I don't know if you ever saw that little low profile. Um, the sixteen foot boat. Few, yeah, a little sixteen footer. I ripped that blind off it this year, and I put a different blind on it. Cause, but we um, when I built, and the reason I did it because nobody else that I hunted with could shoot out of the dang thing. Because <laughs> we sat on our butt and kind of had a little bit of top cover. And you sat on your butt, and nobody else that I hunted with liked it. Like nobody could shoot except me. So I was like, well, it doesn't do any good. So I ripped it off, and we put a different blind on it. But like that deal like hunting out of that thing i mean you're effective or you're not shooting out of that and most people are not effective shooting out of that so it was was it because the timing or were, what was the issue uh, you just know not standing up right <laughs> you're not standing up um you've got cover a little bit of cover in front of you we couldn't shoot straight over our heads either which i made i mean i, I don't want to shoot those shots for the most part I made it so I had like a thing over our heads so they duck and see down in on top of us. And you know, I think that messed with people. And you know, I could shoot well of it, but I, I used to hunt a lot out of field blind. I used to field hunt a ton at ducks and geese. And then so I was super comfortable out of it. And, and if you're not, it's just a different deal. And you pick somebody who didn't love that in the first place. And then you know, it's kind of a, a funky deal of ducks that are maybe sometimes. You know, juking and jiving, and it, it didn't. People didn't like shooting out of it, so I we just didn't, we used it more for transportation the last year or two that I had it, and then now it's kind of just a different, a totally different style blind again. So, cool. Let me ask you a little different question. Um, with our layout, with our layout boats, one struggle we've had is hiding our dogs. Um, it's we purchased the redhead blind attachments and, and they don't have any way to accommodate dogs. And so we've had to try to kind of use conduit piping and make our own thing. But what is your theory on dogs? How, how well you feel like they need to be hidden and how do you go about working dogs on your boat? Oh uh, man, that's such a, that, <laughs> I wish I knew like the, the true answer to that because so the, the least, hidden thing on my boat is my dog um if someone happens if they're if they're in a spot where they can see the pictures that i sent you of my boat you can see where my dog hangs out and it, it also doubles as the entryway into the actual blind part of my boat and um i have a spot i have a piece of fencing and grass that i put over the top of that but if you're a mallard coming in at a 45 degree angle you can still see a black blob up over the front of my boat. And I've tried to do some various things to kind of hide that a little bit. I drape some grass over and all that, but still, it's still a little visible. It's more than I would want. And, but I've gotten away with it. And so I, I don't worry too much about it. I, I don't feel like we've flared a lot of ducks based on the dog being there. Mm -hmm. Um, so you kind of come in the middle. Some guys don't think dogs scare them at all. Others want every single part of them covered. You're kind of in the middle. 
yeah, like I feel I feel as if they should flare more than I've seen them do. I mean, like I want, I mean, like my goal, like my goal hunting, I want like every duck that we shoot to land or to be feet down, hovering, looking. I love that, and I'm not saying like we shoot every duck that way, but like I love that. Like that is like that is more satisfying to me than shooting a hundred of them. Like I love that when you fool them like that. I love that. And there's times that I feel that maybe the dog being a little bit visible has kind of flared some. But it's not a lot. I mean, on my old bull blind, my dog sat literally 100% in the open. Like she was in the open at the back end of my boat, and my blind did not really cover her at all. And I don't. I just don't feel like we had a lot of birds flare then either from what I think was probably mm. dog. Um, and, and, you know, and it's weird because like how many, I can think of how many times, I don't think I can even count how many times I've had mallards come in when my dog is swimming through the decoys. Yep. I mean, like tons and tons of times. Yep. So I, you know, that's different. They're not, they're always visible to the head and maybe a little bit of their back, depending on how buoyant they are. Um, so it's, it's a little different thing than them sitting up on the side of a boat. But I have a Carson's, a little Carson's um, whale boat, similar to like what you guys use. And Is I'm in the, the same boat. Or the as you. I have the mallard. Um, oh, okay. The 14. Similar to the, basically really similar to the pintail, and I've got okay. flip open doors on it, and I grass it up. But when I hunt out of that, I don't take the dog because she'd have to sit up on the back. And I feel, I think in my head, I'm like, well, why am I even trying to hide when I have this big mm-hmm. black dog sitting up there watching everything going on? Like it kind of defeats the purpose, so I don't take her, which makes me a little less apt to hunt out of those that boat in the first place so I want to take my dog. So I'm, I'm a little torn on that. Eh? Hmm. Like I, I mean I love black labs, like my dog's black. I've loved black labs. But it's made me even contemplate getting yellow labs just simply because they would blend into most of our cover that much better. Than a big old black blob stuck on the side of my boat. So and like, I don't think I'm quite to that point yet, but I thought about it. Well, and there's some times of the year I feel like, because um, I had a yellow lab. Now, she was really light colored, too light colored. But I felt like early in the season, September, October, early November, she stuck out like crazy. But then when we get into more of the late season, she did better. But my dad's black lab, but now I've got a black lab I'm going to hunt starting next year. On certain days, I feel like those blacks look like a shadow. So I, I'm, I'm almost feeling like for my last dog that my black lab is going to blend in better. I don't know. I could be. Yeah, well, man, I don't know. I, I'm, I think about it I'm, every morning when I throw my little cover over the top of them. I was like, God, I like, I, I'm, <laughs> I've been, I've spent hours thinking about ways on my next boat that I can hide the dog a little better to get still allow them to see everything that's going on. So that's yeah. super important. I mean, that's huge for dog success, is letting them see what's happening. And then, but I'm always like, 
So you, you got to keep that big black blob open. Like, I don't know how much more success I could have than, than I would want than this year or the last couple of years with her just sitting right there. So I don't know. <laughs> well, a- we've been working on hoods on our layout boats and we've created, used Bimini fittings and conduit piping and made hoods that kind of, they sit, they sit behind us and then a hood covers them and basically just their nose sticks out. And that, that seems to work pretty well, except when they, sometimes if you shoot the bird right in front of you, they want to trample you to uh, to come out of the <laughs> back bet. of that, which is a bit of a problem. Or sometimes you, if they're really excited, you get up to shoot and before you pull the trigger, they're slamming you in your back. <laughs> that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't drop a scary. bird. That's scary. You don't want that. No, no. Yeah, it's, it's a, Hunting with a dog is adds a whole different like dimension to hiding because, especially if you have if you I mean with these hard side blinds like you can kind of create your blind around that, but with most of these hard side blinds you're trying to accommodate, but you're trying to like figure out a way to hunt the dog with them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a challenge because like nobody wants to cut holes in the side of their blinds or stick their dog out in the open with a cold. If you're always it's, everything's a give and take. I mean, that's like that's the one thing in the in the boat blind world that like there will never be a perfect answer to every situation and every every scenario because there's always a give and take to everything that you do. If you, if you hide better, it's probably harder to shoot. If you have better decoy storage, you're losing something else. And there's always like a, a funky thing that you give up in dogs. Dogs are a challenge. Like I, I, mean, I get a fair amount of questions about that, whether it's through Instagram or like, well, I probably need to check my YouTube page comments a little more often. But I would see that kind of stuff, or or email or DMs on YouTube about dog hiding, and it's just it's one of those things where there's just never a, a like a super easy way to solve it, and it always depends on exactly how your boat's set up, and and even different dogs. Like some dogs are feisty and they want to be sitting way up the front and watch what's going on some will stand back a little bit and they're not going to be as visible so yeah i don't know i'm i'm kind of undecided on, on how much the ducks are really bothered by him i've had ducks come out my dog standing on a dang sandbar in the wide open <laughs> like literally 100 percent wide open land 10 yards from my dog and of course they don't stick there very long or they get shot at before they, they get there, but they come in, they don't worry about it. So, um, I don't know. Kind of, kind of a fun one. I think it needs more, more, uh, experimental evidence, meaning we need to just go hunt more, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. One final question. And it's, it's a selfish one at that, but, uh, one final question before we let you go. Um, you know, with me getting into the boat blind, I want to kind of get your perspective on how I should set up. So a lot of what I hunt is going to be rivers. And I don't know how much you've hunted rivers with your boat blind, but it's, um, you know, a lot of it's going to be setting up against a hard edge. That's going to be uh, a woods type scenario. And I've seen other people use boat blinds in my area. Nothing as extravagant as yours. Um, but I've seen people even use just um, fabric and camo netting and they push up against the trees and they just make themselves like a, a dark shape. So I, I kind of was curious what your thought would be. Um, I mean, cause I know hunting in the marshes, you kind of want your tumbleweed, your 
cattails, all that. But is that going to be able to transfer transfer over to hunting uh, on a wood wood line um, setup? So I guess kind of take me through if you were going to take your boat blind um, on a river and set up against some trees, maybe with a sandbar in front of you. What would be your uh, your technique for tackling that problem? Yeah, we do. We we've done similar um, with with my boat. I think having like just a good basis of camel, a good camel, like a good camel base to break up the boat in general is, is, is where you start from, no matter the color or whatever. If you know you're going to be hunting dark stuff, you know, I would, I would work on that as my, as my basis. But let's say I took my boat to right now with essentially my boat right now is nothing more than uh, fast grass or like real grass covering with a few random tumbleweeds and some other junk that's left over that hasn't been beat off yet. So it's brown, marsh looking. But we've hunted a fair amount of that same exact deal. Um, and, you know, shadows are the most valuable camouflage you can have. Like, there's no question. If you can get into a shadow of a tree down or a shadow of a bank, something where you're taking like where that light isn't just beaming on you that's the absolute most important thing in hiding any boat no matter what kind of boat it is so that's what we're going to look for first whether it's a cut bank whether it's a down a tree branch that happens to lean over that we can hide in behind um, or whether it's a tree branch that we can cut and drag over the top of the boat that kind of stuff like i keep a um i was just telling someone else this today uh, we keep a um, a little saw in the boat. Um, it's a Wyoming brand saw. Thing will cut through like six, eight inch uh, branches like it's nothing. Oh, wow. We'll cut that off and we'll put that over and we'll drape that over the boat. That's one of the benefits again of a hard side is you can put that sucker up on top of the blind and all of a sudden you've created your own shadow. Like you're all you are in the shadow now because of that. Um. So I like to, I always like to play, I like to create that type of thing. But, you know, on top of that, we'll use the sun. I mean, there's days in those similar scenarios, maybe not a river, but something hard edge, wherever, where we'll shoot ducks coming over our back because we have way better cover there. And those birds have zero clue. And we shoot them coming over our back rather than shooting them in the front. Um, so when we play that sun and the wind, all that kind of stuff in addition to that like a guy's got to like you know the, the normal thinking when you when you pull up to a spot and what like you always want to do first scenario is the wind is going this way let's get the wind at our back and we're going to shoot them well it doesn't always work that way i mean i love it too i love shooting mallards in, in the breath coming at me that's the best but a lot of times we're shooting them a little bit of a side or quartering away, even a quartering into or over your back will like get you hidden enough that it means the difference between shooting ducks or not shooting ducks. I'd rather shoot a duck that came over my back and it was 10 yards in front of me, backpedaling but going away, than one at 45 yards that picked up and decided to flare 
because the thoughts is we were not hidden where like we could have been because we didn't use the sun or the wind or shadows or whatever. So. Awesome. I mean, Definitely it's, it's, like a, it's like a game. It's like a, it's like a strategy game. I mean, like whenever we get to a spot, I mean, we spend, and I can look me and my buddy Levi, like, I mean, I'm one morning, I guarantee we spent 30 minutes debating with spotlights back and forth where we should go <laughs> because of the scenario, like lack of cover, and the wind conditions and the sun and like finally you pick a spot and it worked and so I mean like that's this is that was an extra little part of the of the strategy of the of the game I would say. Awesome. Definitely some great information there and um honestly there's so much to cover on this. I'm sure we could keep going on for hours. Um but really appreciate you coming on man. Um definitely awesome as always to have you on here. Um but one final question for Elliot is there going to be a boat blind in your future? <laughs> not the near future. Not, <laughs> no. not unless I can have two. I have to be able to transport those layout boats up and down river systems. So until, unless I could get two different boats, uh, I don't there think you go. so. Just for that one reason. So you just need a two guy, boats. A guy needs two duck boats. One is never enough. Yeah, Phil's probably got, what, four? <laughs> I have, I'll tell you uh, what I would be. I would be open to going up and five. hunting out of Phil's boat. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'll I'll come down to Kansas and we'll uh, we'll we'll coordinate there. Yeah, that's that's the got to be All the right. real test. You got to take Phil's boat, and you got to go in one of your areas that you can think you can only do it in a layout boat. You know, I don't think yeah. it probably yeah. won't be in one of those areas, but we're gonna hunt out of there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All we're right, find good to me. Well, go ahead, cool. um, Phil. Go ahead and let people know where they can find you all across the internet. Um, probably the main thing is just on Instagram, um, Phil Conkey Photos. That's the main my main outlet for anything. Um, if you're looking for information on boat line specifically, my YouTube page, um, just Phil Conkey Waterfowl. I think it's under. If you just Google my name, it'll come up on there a bunch of times. And, you get to listen, see some poorly produced YouTube videos talking about boat buying. So awesome! And yeah. guys, uh, kind of a final resource for anybody else who's looking into getting into the boat blind game. I mean, that Facebook group DIY boat blinds is a great resource if you have questions about anything. I mean, as well as I mean, you could uh, reach out to any of us. I'm sure that Elliot and I probably won't have near as much of the information as Phil does, and now he's probably going to get bombarded. So sorry about that. but uh, <laughs> No, it's fun. If, if anyone has questions, I love talking. Can, I can talk about boat lines all day long. I love it. So awesome. feel free to drop me a message, however you can get a hold of me. All righty. Well, I think that's uh, probably a good place to wrap it up. Thanks again, Phil. Really appreciate it. No, it was fun. Any last words on it? No, I think this has been one of the most informative uh, podcasts that we've had for a long time. So I appreciate you taking your time, Phil, and would love to have you back some other time again. For sure. Let's do it. Awesome. All righty, folks. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and Phil. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys on the next one.